Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. It is so good to see you guys. What's up, church? How are we? Oh, man. I, uh, I don't think I realized how much I missed just the voices of us singing together as one. Um, so, wow, thank you. Thank you for singing. Thank you for engaging. Uh, before, before I get into the sermon, I, I want to just acknowledge a couple people before we really get into things. And so, actually, Steph Hewitson, I didn't do this first service, but I'm putting her on this. Well, first, this is first service. What you don't know is that I already filmed once this morning. So, this is the first live service, but it's the second time I've preached. Steph, I didn't do this earlier, but I think everyone in this room needs to know that everything that we did creatively as a church during this season, every video that got put out, everything that got mixed and blended and put together that you ended up seeing in an email, in a video, all ran through her. And so let's just acknowledge her for a sec. Yeah, come on. So good. So good. I think... Steph, watching you work with such excellence and the things that came out was amazing. We heard that from all over the place. Um, I know how much you labored. Um, I don't even really want to know how many hours you worked Holy Week, uh, but I know it was a ton. And this church, you kept us all tied together. And I'm so grateful and honored uh, to have you on staff, but also just to be in your family. So thank you so much. Um, I love you. The other person I want to acknowledge is Caden. So Caden, if everyone can just look at him for a sec right here. Um, you know, this guy steps in in an interim role to help fill the worship, and he, I don't think he knew, any of us knew when he took in and stepped into that spot that that would mean you would be producing worship through a pandemic for 12 weeks. Uh, but he also carried everything with student ministry, so he's been carrying two ministries in this time, and you've been doing it with such grace, such leadership, and such maturity for a young guy. I am I'm so glad to have you on this team. I love you, and you know what, next time there's a quarantine, you are just going to come over to my house and we'll just set up a room, bro, And because you are welcome there. That was fun. So thank him as well, church. Thank him as well. Uh, the last kind of group I want to acknowledge, there was a team of people that called people. How many of you, just raise your hand real quick, if you got a phone call during this time, just to kind of check in and chat. So most of you, and if you're not raising your hand, I mean, we tried. We just didn't have your phone number, right? That's, that's what happened. So... Um, we had a team of people that just called and checked in with people almost every week, you know, during this time. And I, I want to thank any of you who are on that team who reached out, who called somebody. Uh, there were countless hours on the phone that we spent during this time and then just uh, immeasurable hours in prayer. I know our offer and our commitment was to also pray for you as we checked in. And so that team, you guys really helped keep us together so that we weren't just doing the same thing on Sunday in teaching and in worship, but that we were still relationally connected. You know what I mean? And that was important. And I'm so grateful for you as well. So thank you. If you got a call from somebody, I would just, maybe you reach back out and say, Hey, thanks for checking in on me during this time. That meant a lot. So let them know how grateful you are. Um, the, uh, there's some construction going on, which is very exciting. There's some things that are already done. I'm sure you've noticed the building does not look quite the same. We did some painting. We did some cleaning up. Uh, we did not stay idle in this time. Uh, there was a lot of work going on. I, I'm going to be talking in coming weeks about some of the projects that were coming up and who we need to thank in that time because there was a lot that was done. There's going to be a lot in that room across the hall once we can finally bust back in there and eat some donuts and drink some coffee. Amen, church? 
Let's go. Okay, so we'll talk about that in the next couple weeks as that thing wraps up. But just know, there's, there's two, like, last groups of people that I just got to, I promise I'll preach, okay? But I got to acknowledge two more groups of people here before we get into it, and that's the staff team here. Uh, the staff team, you guys worked tirelessly. You pivoted. You changed. You worked from home. You, you, I mean, everyone went off-site for a little bit. We came back on-site. There was just countless variables that kept getting thrown in, and, and I, I, don't, I can't point to anybody on this team who just wasted the time. We dove in. Like, uh, this, this stage, everything, every wire on the stage was, and you can't see this right now, but everything was unplugged, stripped, cleaned, and then rewired back in. And that was, I mean, you should have seen all the stuff we found. All right, praise Jesus. We got some extra cords laying around. But man, uh, the next gen team, pivoting everything you're doing with Go Big. You already had pivoted everything for Easter. We didn't get to talk about that, but they changed up. Hand delivered to all of our family's Easter care boxes, Easter in a box. And so the whole staff, the whole team, Robin, you were engaging, you were meeting up with missionaries on Zoom. Like that's a thing now. You know what I mean? Zoom is a real thing now. I think it's here to stay. But she met at weird times. You got all the missionaries together. You talked on, checked on them. I'm just so grateful for the staff team we have. Can you guys just let them know how grateful you are for them as well? The, the last group that I just have to thank is you, church. I have to just let you know how grateful and honored I am to be your pastor. Um, this season has been trying in many different ways. It's been frustrating in many different ways. And I've talked to, I know we all kind of talk in our own circles about how the economic impact is making its way throughout our country and things like that. But I talk to church leaders and pastors who are considering letting people go, who are considering how they're going to make their building payment, and they're just scrapping and, and giving is down. And, and I think, first of all, you have to know, financially, we never missed a beat. Nothing ever changed financially for us. Yeah, praise God. That, like, you guys showed your maturity and your love for the kingdom of God that you didn't take coming to a building to tithe. That's been proven now at this point for this church, and I'm grateful to know that. I always suspected it, but I'm grateful to hear it now officially. We, we never had to even consider laying somebody off. We never had to skip any checks going out to missionaries or local outreach. All of the ministry carried forward without missing a beat, and that's because of your continued faithful participation in what we're doing here. So thank you for that. But also, and maybe just as important, I don't know if you guys are aware, but man, things are sensitive right now. Things are hot that like divisive issues are on the forefront of everyone's news feed and in, on everyone's television. And, and while we as a church, I've, I've had the sense and I know that not any two people in this room are the same. We don't all think the same. We don't vote the same. We don't, we don't view issues the same way. We don't earn the same amount of money. We don't look the same, but we were never divided. This, this, as I've talked to pastors who are like, I don't know if I can open the church building back up because there's division on masks. And I'm just so glad that I know we have differing opinions and I know that wearing a mask is frustrating. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I never felt like even though we had differing opinions, we were never divided. And so thank you, church family, for both of those things. It's huge. I hope those are values we just continue to carry into the future. Amen? Amen. 
So we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today, and so you can grab your Bible and open it up there. Um, I'm going to read in just a sec, but just to kind of reset the stage for you, we have been in this series in the book of Ephesians, and um, I love where we're going to be at today. I love the providence of God that he had us in this section in Ephesians chapter 2 with Kent two weeks back, where we were literally preaching out of the, the text that's used for racial harmony and racial reconciliation, and that would happen the week that all of this would spark. The week that George Floyd would be murdered, we'd all be talking about racial harmony right before we got into it. Amen? And so I just love the Word of God. I love that we're getting into Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read the first 13 verses here, and then I will pray. So read with me. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the mystery, what is the what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Jesus, I just ask that you would speak to us this morning. Would you just uh, help me draw the truth out of this word by the power of your spirit and let it seek, sink deep into our hearts today, God? God, it's so good to be back in the room. And we're so happy to get to gather together as a family. We don't neglect those who are still at home, who are still uh, keeping themselves away from sickness and germs. God, we're with them and they're with us. And we're so excited just to be as a church family. I pray for all the pastors. We already lifted up a church in our community, but I just lift up every pastor right now that has a divided congregation, that has frustrated members. I pray for the churches that aren't gathering yet. I pray for you to lead those pastors with wisdom. I pray for the churches that are gathering, and I pray that you would lead them with wisdom, God. I believe that you've brought us all to different ways of doing this and what this is going to look like, God, but we trust that you've placed men and women of God in leadership all around, and that you're going to speak to them, and you're going to guide them, and you're going to encourage them in exactly what they need in this season. So we lift them up in prayer today, God. I ask that you would just uh, meet us in this word today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, typically, there are two ways to approach preaching, at least especially in our culture today. Uh, you will hear it, that you can preach topically or you can preach 
with exposition. You can preach uh, in a way that goes verse by verse. And so there's kind of these caricatures that get made then out of different ways that you can preach. You have maybe topical preachers who get accused of, yeah, well, you just kind of take this half of a proverb in the message, paraphrase, and you try and ram all of your opinions through that proverb just to bring culturally relevant stuff to us. And that can be the caricature that's made out of topical preaching. I'm not saying all topical preaching is that way. But then you also have uh, expositional preaching, which is really just to expose what's in the text. Expositional preaching would be the main point of the sermon is the main point of the text. And what you usually have in expository preaching is you have someone who's going verse by verse, line by line through the Bible. Now, now I, I like both kinds of preaching. Typically, I'm drawn more towards like expository preaching. And if you think that what that means, the caricature there is just some old guy in a tweed jacket reading the Bible for 40 minutes, and it's incredibly dry, and it doesn't speak to any part of your life, well, then you should just go listen to John Piper sometime and see that that's not true, right? And so the, the thing, the, I bring this up just to kind of point out that there's different approaches, and really there's, there's just there's good preaching and then there's better preaching, right? Like the not all preaching is the same. And, and really I would challenge that like the Bible's written topically, but it also bears the weight of scripture. I think the biggest thing as a preacher is I'm just always trying to make sure that I'm letting the scripture be the lens in which my opinions go to and come out of rather than it be my opinions that I then try and use this book to reinforce, Right? And so here's, here's why I bring that up. First of all, I'm, I'm already sold on committed to just preaching this book. I, I don't think I have that many things to think that are that special. Okay. I want to bring to light what's in this book. But the main reason I bring this up today is because uh, back in Easter, back at Easter, we were in the I Am series, if you remember. And to be totally honest, I had no idea where to go next. I just had no idea. The, up until that point, I'd already kind of, I knew what the next theme or the next, like, next series would be like. And we got to one week left in the I Am series, and I was like, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know what to preach on. I don't feel like I'm getting anything. So I just kind of went to this space where I'm like, okay, we're just going to preach to Ephesians. And the, the cost that I convinced myself that I made was, well, at least I'm going to be giving our people just steady doses of the Bible. But what I thought I was sacrificing, what I thought I was sacrificing was, well, then we will be skipping some more culturally relevant issues, right? And I thought to myself, well, maybe I could just preach topically for a little bit and I could have, you know, maybe a sermon called uh, A Love More Contagious Than Corona, right? <laughs> I could have talked about a sermon, The Masks We All Wear, right? Like I could have done some of these topical things, but I was just like, nope, you know what? I think we're just supposed to go through Ephesians. And lo and behold, the providence of God would lead us right to Ephesians chapter two, right before this whole powder keg thing just exploded in our nation. Now we have protesting going on in every major city in our country. Like I would have never been able to pick that. Do you know what I mean? And yet God had us right in Ephesians chapter two, right before this racial tension thing just flared up in our face. And now today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, which is just going to reinforce the things that are said in Ephesians chapter 2. And I believe what God's going to show us today is that there, there is a power to be had in Ephesians chapter 3. Here's the sermon in a sentence that I wrote down. That when the church, not this church, okay, not Good Shepherd Church, but when the church, when the people of God clothe ourselves in humility and stand in Christ stronger than we notice each other's differences, we're going to scare the hell out of the devil. And I'm not sure if I can say that in church, but I just did. So 
Let me show it to you now in the text, okay? To, to show it to you, we got to start in the very first line. It says, for this reason. The book of Ephesians, what I'm noticing is almost every heading of every chapter and of every section starts with, for this reason. Therefore, I say this because, therefore, for this reason. And it just is like the whole book, you have to realize, is daisy-chained together so that the whole first half of the book, the first three chapters, establish who we are in Christ and the things that Christ has done towards us. And then there's going to be this pivot starting in chapter four, where we now get to see now what we do as Christians, how we live out in the world, our call, the Christ, the call that Christ has already given to us. Okay. So it's all daisy chained together. And it says for this reason to start chapter three, for what reason? Well, for the reasons that Paul just established in chapter two. So I'm going to back it up a few weeks, even before Kent preached. Chapter two is really divided into two different kinds of division. Let me explain what I mean, okay? The first half of chapter two talks about the chasm that exists between you, me, all of us, and Jesus and God. He talks about the fact that the, the distance between us and God is so great that it's as different as death is from life. That's how far separated we are from Jesus. And we talked about a few weeks back that big but that's in the first part of Ephesians chapter two. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ that we were spiritually dead before and God has spanned this huge chasm, this huge gap, and the, this huge gap. The only thing that was large enough to, to hold that gap, to span that chasm was the cross of Christ. That he died in our place, therefore reconciling us back to God. And then in the back half of Ephesians chapter two, the second division that, God, that Paul sets up is that, man, there's also been a huge gap created between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. Now, now there's, there was a God-ordained division between the nation of Israel and the rest of the world. You need to hear this. Like, Israel was God's chosen nation. They were the ones who God entered into covenant relationship with. They were the one that all the promises of God were for. And this is, this is who God chose. It wasn't Egypt. It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't any of the people who had already inherited the promised land that belonged to Israel before they inhabited it. So God rescues Israel out of Egypt. He sends them to the promised land. What's the first thing that has to happen? All these other nationalities and people groups have to get kicked out so that Israel can inherit it. And this is tense for us. And this is where a lot of people go, well, God's just a racist. And the, the, the truth is, it's like, no, it's not. This the mystery that's trying to be fulfilled since the beginning of time is that God was going to use that nation. What he was going to do was he was going to create the perfect set of circumstances. He was going to give them the law. He was going to give them the sacrifice. He was going to give them the system that they needed to succeed. And he was even going to give them the setting. He was going to give them the promised land. He was going to drive out all different people for them to get mixed in with so that they would have their own place in the perfect setting, in the perfect situation to succeed. And what Israel showed us is that you can't do it. No matter what tools you are given to succeed, to have a genuine relationship with God, we're going to continue to choose our own way. We're going to continue to choose to worship other things. We're going to, con we're going to continue to fall away from the law. And so we need grace. We need a savior. So God chose that nation to show the world that we all needed him, his son, on the cross in our place. And now what that, what that shows us is that, uh, that now that we have been reconciled with God, that difference, that chasm was so great that there's no chasm between you and any other person on this world that's anywhere near that big. 
And so the more that you can fall in love with Jesus and understand your position with him, now you can understand your position of oneness with every other person that's created in the image of God. And, and I bring this up because in order to get into what I think you need to grab out of this text today is that um, Paul is the one writing this letter. Yes? Paul, before he was Paul, was who? Saul. Saul was racist. Absolutely. You wouldn't conclude anything different by reading the book of Acts. He persecuted the church. The church at that time were early believers. Early believers at that time were primarily people who were not Jewish. So he was in persecution of, he stood in opposition against people that didn't have his same, that didn't share his same heritage. He was in opposition against people who didn't think the way he thought, behave the way he behaved. Right? Galatians chapter 1, Paul shows us, man, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Pharisee. I kept the law since I was a kid. And the irony that God does is he takes Saul, makes him Paul, sends Paul to go do ministry to people who didn't look like him, who didn't act like him, who didn't think like him, who didn't grow up in the same way he grew up, and were not of his people group. And so what I want to show you in this first point today is that it took humility. It took humility for Paul to do the things and to walk in the ministry that God called him to. He understood that it was only by grace that he's been saved. Therefore, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no more valuable than anybody else, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. But the, he writes here in, in verse 8 and 9, verse 8, he says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Anyone else find that just wildly unhelpful when a guy like Paul says, I'm the very least of all the saints? I'm like, yeah, what did I accomplish this week, Paul? You just wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but like, yeah, you're the least of all the saints. You're the worst. Of all the sinners, you're the worst, Paul. His words, not mine. So Paul has this posture of humility to be able to write that. He sees himself as lower than, as less than all the other people. Not in value, but he, he treats that. He elevates the person across the table from him. He has to in order to write that down, but then also to go out and carry about his ministry that he walks in. And so we're going to talk here for a second about pride. Because God stands in opposition to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's what James says. And, and so what pride does, it does one of two things. It either builds yourself up so that you look big and so that you look important, so that you look valuable. Or if it can't elevate anything, if you can't find anything to elevate in yourself, what pride can also do is it'll cut down everybody else around you so that you feel good about yourself. But the goal of pride is to make you look big and to make others look small. And so there are people right now, and maybe in this room, I think we all need to just test our own hearts. And the way you look at people who don't vote like you, the way you look at people who don't think like you, who weren't raised the way you were raised, who have different values than you have right now, the people who don't uh, have the same color skin as you maybe even, you think you're better than those people just because they don't spend the same, because they don't earn the same amount of money, because they're not in your neighborhood. And if you think that way towards people across the table from you, then that is called pride. And that is sin. And we need to repent. Like right now is the moment where you just go, okay, Holy Spirit, would you test me in this? Would you search me right now, God, and see if there's any offensive way in me? Am I elevating myself too high? 
Or am I just being understanding and walking in the, the reality that everything that's been given to me was a gracious gift from you that I didn't earn or deserve? See, I think right now what the world is trying to do and I'll be more specific of what I think the devil is trying to do, is he's trying to make everything uh, kind of a stereotype that we would buy into so that we can belittle people. And, and so like on the media, on the news, on your Instagram feed, on your Facebook feed, whatever, you see, you see a protester and you can automatically, I'm not saying you for sure do this, I'm just saying we can automatically go, well, they probably just got done robbing a store. They probably just got done setting a building on fire. And, and or we can see people who voted for Trump and share something that's pro-Trump, and we can say, well, that, uh, the stereotype that the, the world is creating right now is saying, well, that guy probably just loves the money, loves the economy, and hates people and wants to see them die. That's the narrative that's being created right now. That's the world we're living in is where we're trying to create and puff up these stereotypes. And, and the, the truth is, is that as long as you buy into a stereotype that's being created about somebody, you'll never value the person enough to actually have a conversation with them and get to know their heart. And so here's, here's what I just want to say for a moment, that you can be against racism and for good police officers and for good protests, peaceful protests, also while you stand against looting and, looting and rioting, you can be sad at what's happening in this world right now and asking questions about how we can make the system better. And that does not mean that you don't love our country, doesn't mean that you don't, can't honor our police officers, and doesn't mean that you don't celebrate patriotism, seek justice, and desire change for the country that we live in. Amen? I just think we as a, let me do this. I think I, as a person, have been listening to brothers and sisters in Christ for a long time say that racism is still alive and well in this country, and I have not been listening well enough. And I've kind of just wrote it off. Well, you just, whatever, you want to fill into the stereotype where you just disrespect the flag because you want to take a knee and you want to do this and you don't do that. And, and I just want to start getting better at listening to people and learning. And I want to put on humility that lifts up the value of the person who doesn't think like I do, who doesn't vote like I do, who doesn't even believe that I do. Particularly, I think we need to have this unitedness when we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, let me be clear. Any image bearer of God is worthy to raise up a, a problem with injustice, right? But I'm really listening when it's a brother or sister in Christ because what Ephesians chapter 2 shows me and what Ephesians chapter 3 reaffirms is that I stand as one with that brother. I stand as one with that sister. God is, Jesus came to preach peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near so that the two would become one. We are God's children. No, no one's more, like, I just, okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ranting a little bit. Let me get back on my track here. Um, there, there is a big problem in our world today. And, and I think that like the devil is just loving all the division that exists even within the church right now. And, and so the next line I think is pivotal for how we land this plane this morning. He says, um, preach, or I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's verse 8. Verse 9 says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Pay attention. Verse 10. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is an awesome verse, right? 
You just read that and you're like, manifold wisdom of God. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? What does it mean? Manifold is this Greek word for this beautiful embroidery that would take place on wealthy people's clothes at that time. And the idea is kind of this, this thing that you would look at and it would be so intricate and so beautifully woven together. You could never see the start. You could never see the end. It, you, if you looked at one thread, you could never see the purpose. But as you step back and look at it, it's awe-inspiring and it's beautiful. And that is the wisdom of God in bringing Christ so that we all might come to know him. Right? But the next line, I think, is even more exciting. The manifold wisdom of God. Hold on. Stay right there. Stay on verse 10. The manifold wisdom of God is, is shown through who? The church. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Who's that? The devil. You see, this is the same language that Paul uses in chapter 6 when he's talking about put on the armor of God to stake your take your stand against the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. He's talking about demonic opposition at this point. Now, I know we live in like Western America and we're all educated here and we don't necessarily like, of course the supernatural is real unless you want me to believe in it. Then it's like, what? Demons? No, thank you. But you can't tell me that as you look out at the world on fire right now, you can't tell me there's things that are evil happening. And not just in the fire, in all sides of this. I, I maybe made that even more a little political than I wanted to go. There, are, there is evil happening on all fronts, in human hearts everywhere right now. And that's visible. It's palpable at this moment. And I think the devil just sits back and he just goes, yes, the church can't agree. They can't agree on protests. They can't agree on who to vote for. They can't agree on whether they should wear masks to church or not. And they're just fighting and bickering and he loves it. I, I just want to go on record saying, don't let your voice join the symphony of division that the devil's conducting right now. Take a stand in humility. Understand that I have way too much in common with the people of God around me. We've both been reconciled, bought. Every single person on this earth outside of that too is then still created in the image of God. Like, don't, like, don't you want to just stand together in unity on some things here and go, listen, okay, okay, we don't vote. This like, okay, here's maybe something you need to hear. It's 2020, it's an election year. Like, we're all in, right? Pandemic, rioting, election later this year, like as a pastor, picked a terrible year to become a lead pastor of a church, right? <laughs> I love you, PK. <laughs> there will be people who vote left that are in heaven. There will be people who vote right that are in heaven. People who voted for Trump, people who voted for Clinton, you will sit side by side with them for eternity and you'll focus on Jesus. Okay, so like, don't get so caught up looking at the donkey and the elephant that you forget to worship the lamb. Right? Okay. And I think if we want to be... If, if we want the church to display the manifold wisdom of God, you know, like they will know you by the way you love one another. Well, you're also going to put the devil on notice if you start working together. If you start standing in unity and you start saying, okay, listen, we maybe don't vote the same. We maybe don't look the same. We maybe have a different background, but you are a brother, a sister in the Lord. 
you have something to say. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to approach you in humility. And we're both going to seek to understand better and better who Jesus is in our lives and the ramifications this has for the world we live in. Church, please don't let partisan politics divide us. Please don't let all of these little issues become these big dividing factors. Like, listen to people. Don't buy into stereotypes. That's how we'll continue to stand in unity against the devil and his schemes. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we love you. And this is the part, God, where it starts to get tough, where we actually have to now end the sermon and go out in the world and live it, and we have to go do it. And so, Jesus, would you help each of us clothe ourselves in humility that we would value the people that are across from us? God, please let pride be the farthest thing from this church's heart, any part of this church's heart. Don't let us lift ourselves up too highly and don't let us belittle other people around us. Help us to walk in humility, in love towards the people that you created, understanding first and foremost, God, that this is this has been your plan all along to reconcile a lost, broken, hurting world. God, where we see injustice, would we speak? Would we get to know voices? Would we get to know people on the other side? Don't let us buy into the narrative of everyone doing this one thing thinks this entire way, but let us get to know people. Let us love people well, seek justice, walk, live in mercy, in grace towards one another. And God, help us just focus more on you. Help us see you in all this. Help us see the opportunity that you're creating for your church right now to go out and to be a loud mouthpiece to the world. Your glory, your wonder, your awesomeness, God. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.